2: That's right, another week, and we've got a tough loss to take in as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 76. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films as we break down the Eagles coming off their first loss of the 2016 season. Greg and I will give you our thoughts on what we saw on both sides of the ball before we give you a preview of of those Washington Redskins. Next up, we've got scouting report where I want to talk about a player that's really coming to his own this year. His second season with the Washington Redskins offense after starting as a rookie last year. Lastly, we will wrap it up with two technique where this week I caught up with Eagles defensive back Terrence Smith to break down one of the key roles in basic cover three. We've got a ton to get into this week, so let's not waste any time. Greg and I talk about this Eagles-Redskins matchup after going over the loss to Detroit with a fine-tooth comb. So let's gets that segment now in chalk talk
1: let's get down
2: to business it's time for chalk talk joining me once again here on the eagle eye in the sky podcast NFL film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, welcome back to the Novacare Complex. It's been a couple days, long couple days, uh, since we last saw you here uh, on Sunday afternoon for the Eagles' first loss of the 2016 season. So uh, I know you've gone through the tape on both sides yep. of the ball. Let's get your thoughts, and I'll share some of my thoughts as well. Let's start offensively. Uh, I think you, know, we, you and I talked a little bit off air, not, you know, not just because of, of the interception, but overall I thought it was probably not that he was awful, but I would say it was probably Wentz's worst game of the fir- from the first four. Uh, in terms of ball placement, I thought a ball placement wasn't great throughout the day. I know you mentioned some missed throws as well. Yeah. Uh, definitely showed great flashes, and I covered some of those flashes in my column re- recapping the offense, which just got posted on Tuesday night. Uh, so you could check that out right now on the website and on the app. But uh, what were your thoughts coming away from watching Wentz?
0: Yeah, and again, I think the standard he set through the first three wins was high. Of course. And there's an expectation that, wow, this kid's just going to be great every week. And I think we have talked, I know I have, that it's not going to work that way every week. And I thought in this game, Fran, that just mentally he was at times a beat slow. At times his eyes were in the wrong place. Even on plays that turned out to be completions and positive plays. But I think he missed some things. And again, ultimately to me, this game is, is a great piece of tape for him to learn. No doubt. And I think when you're a young quarterback, the key is learning from these things. You know, when plays are called and you get the coverage or coverages that the plays work against and the plays are there, those are the plays you have to execute. And I think he missed a few of those. He just, for whatever reason, it didn't register or he took his eyes away from where they should be too soon. Uh, I mean, even, uh, like I said, there were some completions. I, he had a completion to, to Aguilar on on a crosser, yep. which was their yep. their basic staple uh, three-level stretch concept with Aguilar coming from the backside across the field. He was a beat late with the throw, and the throw was not really accurate. But it was still caught for a gain. Just little things. And this is what coaches work on. You know, they work on these things. They use the tape as a learning experience for a young quarterback.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I thought that's what – I was one of the things I actually mentioned in the piece was I thought that the receivers – Made some plays for him, you yep. know. And look, it didn't happen on the final play, obviously, but uh, overall, I thought his receivers went up and fought for the ball. DGB on a, on a shallow cross made it, you know, made a catch behind his body. You mentioned the play by Aguilar. There were some plays where his guys went up and fought for the ball, some that were left on the field, but right. uh, certainly a, a learning experience for a young quarterback, something that he can take in the next game against a defense that is similar in some ways, yeah. schematically, in terms of like the zone concepts and things like that. Similar in a lot of ways, uh, the Detroit Lions and Redskins defense. We'll, we'll get to Washington uh, in a little bit later. Run game-wise, w- what did you think overall from uh, what they were able to do up front, uh, on the ground? You saw some different things. Uh, yeah. the, you know, you, we saw a little bit more of the, uh, the jet. We saw uh, the quarterback run game a little bit more. A little bit more. Seen.
0: We saw a trap
2: which we haven't seen right, in a long right, time here right. in Philadelphia, which
0: was really well executed. Well, watching the tape and even watching the game when we were watching it here on Sunday, I, I was thinking to myself, how much are they going to really ask Carson Wentz to get involved in the run game by design? And for me, I hope not too much. Yep. I, I, obviously, he can run and he's a great athlete, but you know, I would just be careful with that. I really would, no matter how big and athletic you are. I just don't think that, that 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 should be used very very selectively. I, go ahead. I just don't I, think that should be part of.
2: I do think though that having the ability to do you know, it, it, it gives you it gives the the defense something else to yeah. plan for and is no another layer to the offense.
0: No question. Um, I think overall the run game to me was you know I didn't feel like and maybe it's because the game the Lions had some long drives early. Yeah. I never felt like both watching the game live and watching the tape. It just didn't have the same rhythmic feel, either the run game or the offense. I thought the offense became more a series of individual plays as opposed to a rhythmic feel. I mean, you think about when they started with the Chicago game on Monday night when they got the ball and they go empty and boom, 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 You know, no huddle. And right away you just start to feel a rhythm develop. This game did not have any real rhythm to it offensively.
2: A lot of people were thinking that this would be a big tight end game for the Eagles from a production standpoint. The Lions allowed five touchdowns to the tight end position through the first four games. So a lot of fans were really hoping that that would be the case. They didn't put up outstanding numbers. There were a lot of – it was interesting to see all the multiple ways that they were used, though. You saw some – 13 personnel and empty. You saw some 12 personnel and empty. You saw uh, Trey Burton and Zach Ertz and Selig moved around the formation. And there were some plays, you know, I remember Ertz running across the field in the intermediate on a three-level stretch and pressure forced Wentz to go elsewhere. Right, right. Um, But there were lots of scenarios where they were trying to set those up.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of this offense. It's an offense with many dimensions, multiple dimensions, a lot of different personnel packages, a lot of different looks. They get to staple plays a lot of different ways. I mean, every week we talk about the dagger or the 96 combination, which he that was one of his best throws, I thought, when he hit Matthews, Matthews between yep. people. Really good throw. I mean, we uh, so we talked three-level stretch, um, the other thing they... What's the other play? I, now I can't think of it that they run a lot. Well, the dagger. Exactly. Right. Well, what was, two here was what was
2: impressive about that dagger was you know, a lot of the times we've seen him throw it so far, that clear-out route takes that middle-of-the-field yes, defender, yes, and this yes. time the middle-of-the-field defender was still there yes. coming from the opposite side of the field, and he still was able to fit it into that window. Well, field. what
0: I really liked as well was the fact, number one, that he made the throw. Sure, exactly. Because you have to make those throws in the NFL, and that was a true tight-window throw, and... It, and he stuck it right there. And and that's, that's, I think, what ultimately, just from the physical ability part of this, I really like about Wentz is he's capable of driving the ball with velocity when necessary, and he's capable of throwing with touch when necessary. And, again, I don't know what people expect, but I, I'm certainly not surprised with a game like this where he wasn't as sharp mentally and maybe wasn't as sharp physically as well. But given that, it wasn't as if it was a bad performance. We're going to talk
2: about what, how this will impact Sunday's game, right? Right. But obviously, the loss of Lane Johnson, who was announced his suspension was announced earlier today uh, on Tuesday. We're recording this. How does that impact the offensive line? And what did you see from Halapulavati Vaitai, Big V? Big V. Uh, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. And just there you say go, Big V. There you go. Uh, what did you see from Big V
0: in the preseason as well as at TCU? You know, it's funny. I, I kind of liked him at TCU. He played left tackle. I remember specifically watching his games against DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Agba. You know, two obvious—I mean, obviously one was a top-ten pick, and the other was a, an early second Early round second
2: pick. that we kind of thought was maybe a little bit reached there. It's an early second, but— Which, by the way, the, the, the film rusher.
0: through the the regular season so far in Cleveland shows because now he's being played at 3-4 D end. But anyway, uh, I thought he handled himself well against both those players. Yep. I think, you know, he was a player who I thought had— Light feet for his size, but was very inconsistent in the way in which he played, which is why he's a fifth-round pick and not a second- or third-round pick. But I think – and I made a note because I went back and looked at my notes, as I'm sure you did. I I made the point that he would not be a left tackle in the NFL, that he would line up at right tackle, and that's exactly the opportunity he's going to get now.
2: It's interesting that – and look, the the loss of Lane is big. I mean, you could probably say – Pretty safely that he was the best offensive lineman through f- through four games. Uh, I don't know if that's something that, that you felt uh, after watching. Believe it or
0: not, I think Barber's played pretty well. Barber's played pretty well too. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I, I, again, no it's tough to compare. They play different positions, but I actually think Barber's played pretty well. Yeah. So you, know, you lose, you lose Lane,
2: Vitai. It's really interesting. You know, I go back and I rewatched all of his snaps from the preseason right. this afternoon for a segment that we're going to put in Eagles game plan this week. And he was a lot better than he, than my memory served. You, yeah. know, you want, when I watch the preseason, I'm not focused necessarily on one guy, especially when you get to that that part of the game, because uh, he was playing with the third string O line. He played pretty well, and you, he's a got lighter feet than I, than, than my memory serves.
0: That's exactly what I said when I looked back at my notes. I made that note. They had lighter feet. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> he's, he's a, a
0: big dude. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's
2: heavy hands. Yes. You, know, the, you could tell uh, both in the run game and the pass game, there were a few times against the Jets, and I'm not going to be able to fit all these plays into the uh, into the segment on game plan, but where – He punches a guy, and you could see the lineman jump back a a good yard. I mean, he's got really heavy hands in the run and pass game, Uh, constantly kept himself in good position. He was able to make some backside blocks in the zone run game away. Uh, Overall, just did a really good job. So. I'm really excited to see him. He's going to get
0: a good test this week. He's going to get a lot of snaps against Ryan Kerrigan.
2: Yeah, so we'll so we'll talk about that and what, what Washington could potentially do for Vitae in this game. But let's real quickly let's let's transition to defense. Uh, obviously, their worst game in terms of numbers and right. an execution uh, against the Detroit Lions on on Sunday, and really at start, I mean, they they gave up three touchdowns in the three drives, and it was not much after that. No. Uh, what did you see from the defense overall? What was one of your some of your big takeaways?
0: I thought it was an odd game, friend, because. I didn't feel like watching the tape, I didn't come away going, wow, this defense played badly. There really weren't many big plays. There were a few critical plays, which when you lose always can be pointed out. You know, third down plays, like I remember the completion to Bolden getting down to about the three, four or three-yard line yep. where it was a, a third, maybe third and 11, and he beat uh, Brooks, I believe it was. Yeah, I think
2: it was either Brooks or Malcolm. in the. In the uh, yeah. Spot, yeah, no, it was Malcolm. Yeah. It was
0: Malcolm, you're correct. And – um you know, one thing that stood out to me was the number of, of outside runs that the Lions had in this game, both with Tate and with Riddick. Especially early. Early. Yeah. You know, so they either they felt they couldn't work inside or they felt that they had an opportunity to get outside. Either way, they were effective. Yeah. And and, it,
2: there were two big ones in the first two drives for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that that stood out. But as the game progressed, I mean, Benny Logan I thought was outstanding. I mean, he just dominated. He got he got their left guard Tomlinson benched, um, so it was an odd game for the defense. You know, there were too many penalties, uh, but it wasn't a game where they were gashed. You came away thinking this defense has holes that need to be fixed.
2: The the Lions definitely showed some things yeah. offensively that. We had never seen the Eagles. No, with had never Tate, seen Tate in the, and you know, the behind yep.
0: Stafford and the pistol, and yep. they did some things with that. Obviously, we broke down on Sunday the touchdown to Riddick, where Tate was be, you know, in the pistol behind Stafford. This was the second touchdown, and and they used misdirection so beautifully. That was beautiful. You know, play. that was just a great offensive play that broke down the defense.
2: Yeah, no question. And then you, you look at uh, Brandon Graham. I thought had another strong game, and he played a ton of snaps. Uh, Vinny Curry's snap count was down. And I think it's because you saw. Uh, Brandon Graham's snap count, uh, and Connor Barwin both played a ton of snaps, especially in the second half. You mentioned Benny Logan. He was outstanding. I thought Jordan Hicks had a strong game, and and Nigel Bradham in the second half. was outstanding. A lot of people made made a big deal about uh, Nigel Bradham not playing in the first half. I mean, he played 18 of the first 20 snaps. He just didn't play in sub-package on the third drive. So on the third drive, he didn't play sub-package. That happened to be the the Lions' longest drive of the game. He went 12 plays. uh, Well, Kendrick's uh, played. Yeah, so Kendrick's played in that drive in sub. And so that became one of the narratives that was quickly squashed. Right. I think on Monday. But uh, overall, I agree. It, it was kind of one of those those games where, in key moments where the Eagles had come up with big stops, there was just you know one play. You know Fletcher Cox's fingers get stuck in Matthew Stafford's helmet yes, and he rips yes. it off, and, that, and that's a penalty. and Now you're, it's a, it's first and goal. Uh, you know things like that where uh, just constantly were able to get get the
0: lines in better field. Position. You know it's funny. Coaches, and we talked about this with Wentz. Coaches deal with absolutes. So, so for instance, when Wentz, you know, completes a ball and it's and it's a good play as far as watching the game, but he missed something. They deal with that coaching. If Ryan Matthews doesn't fumble and the Eagles win this game, we're not talking about the defense. We're saying, hey, it's they came through in the second half when they had to. Forty-five right? yards allowed in the second half. Right? right, right. So, so that's why I said it was an odd game defensively, where there's some things I'm sure Jim Schwartz was really disappointed in, and, and I guarantee he let people know about it. But it was not, like I said, there were no real big pass plays. I mean, was there a pass play more than twenty yards, or if there were, it was one.
2: They would have been in that final one, the the Golden Tate catch and right, run. Right,
0: correct. But I mean, they really did not allow big chunk plays. where they hurt on a couple of runs, you know, coming out of different looks? Yes. But this, they, even watching the first couple of drives and, and even watching it live, I just never felt like they were being gashed. Yeah. You know, one of the things that stood
2: out to me in the second half was how well they rallied to the football. Yeah. Yeah. So often, whether yeah. it was a screen play, uh, you know, an outbreaking route. You saw six, seven, eight, nine defenders all running to the football. I'm sure three Coach or four Schwartz guys. made that clear at halftime. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It was definitely notable uh, or noticeable, I should say, once you started watching the tape there. Especially in the you know, it's going to
0: be interesting. You know, you talked about the nickel and, and and Kendricks playing on the third series, which he did, and there's just something about it. Kendricks is such a good athlete. But in zone, he just struggles with spatial awareness and, and, and understanding of where he should be within his zone concepts. And I think he's always been like that, which is why a player who's so athletically gifted and and you just assume should be a, a really good sub package player is not.
2: That's a, a lesson to take with us going into the off season and yes. looking at college linebackers yep. and saying, Well, yep. look at the the forty yard dash and the three cone. Oh, that guy's a great coverage player. A little bit more goes into no, the there's,
0: wait, No, it's route yeah. recognition. It's under, yep. yeah, No, but oh, there's so much more. Because I've always, I've been one of those guys, I've always liked, I mean, how do you not like his physical skill set, no but it's just, I don't know, there's just something lacking in his, in his awareness.
2: So let's talk about the team that this Eagles defense can be matched up against. You know, we were just about 15 minutes into this discussion, uh, and we could probably go for 30 minutes, you and I, talking just about. The Redskins' offense, which presents so many different challenges, like I told you before schematically. Schematically, I mean, I could have written, I could have written four pieces and yeah. produced two shows just on Washington's offense. All the different things that they present from schematics, formations, uh, personnel groupings, and the way that they displace their receivers. Really, really interesting offense to watch, and they can beat you in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just start with the personnel. I mean, particularly the weapons in the pass game, and. Jordan Reed, a great tight end who can line up all over the formation. I think a player who rarely gets talked about, who I think is a tough cover, is Jamison Crowder.
2: He's really found a, a really nice niche now. Yeah.
0: Offense. I mean, obviously, Deshaun can take the top off any defense. Pierre Garcon is still a really good intermediate route runner. and uh, But Crowder, to me, I mean, the two guys that stand out, because we all know about Deshaun and Garcon. But I think Crowder and Reed are really guys that pose problems. Gar- Crowder predominantly plays in the slot, but Reed is the guy that aligns all over the formation. And it's really the tight end that is the most—he's the formation guy, He the formationing guy, let's put it that way. Yep. And I've read a lot of Bill Belichick talking about this with tight ends tight ends really dictate defensive deployment more than wide receivers because wide receivers are wide receivers. Rarely, I mean, hey, did Golden Tate line up a few times in the backfield, but wide receivers are wide receivers. It's the tight ends that they cause the, 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 the defensive deployment issues with their, their formationing, and, and Jordan Reed's one of those guys.
2: And they've got Vernon Davis and Niles Paul who play a ton of snaps with them, and they put them all, whether they're Correct. in the backfield, whether in the slot, whether they're
0: in line. Miles Paul is a lead blocker in the straight eye. And he was a receiver at Nebraska. Correct. A wide out. Yeah. A wide out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I mean, it's, look, it's a fun offense yep. to watch for you know for guys like you and I where you know we're tra- we're taking in what they do formations Well, we like and, looking and at and concepts really in the pass game because
0: that's what the pass game is about. It's concepts. Yeah. It's not just, hey, let's drop back and throw the ball.
2: This is a team, though, that wants to run the football.
0: Yeah, and it's very up and down. I, You know, it's funny. There are some weeks I watch Matt Jones, and I come away thinking, that guy's a pretty good back.
2: You and I both liked him at Florida. I did. Yeah. I,
0: I liked him coming in. He was one of the last backs I watched that, that draft year, and I thought, wow, this guy's pretty good because he wasn't a big 1,000-yard rusher at Florida. But then there are other runs, and you've probably noticed this yourself. He had a run against the Giants that was beautifully blocked, and he never got through the hole, and it was a one-yard gain that should have been an eight- or nine-yard gain at least. Let me read you my note that I wrote
2: after watching the first guy. I think I watched their Cleveland game first. Was the first game I watched. Jones is very frustrating overall. Very, uh, very physical, violent runner. But there are just some plays where he looks like he's got poor vision and not, and does not have a feel for their run schemes. Followed by a handful of plays where he looks like he's got a great feel for yes. what they do in the run game. Because there are some plays where they're like, "Wow, that was a that I was mean, a really when good they beat run." The Giants two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that game. That game. The
0: final drive to set up the winning field goal, he carried the ball eight times for 37 yards, and he looked like one of those horses, you know, one of those guys you ride. And then the next week he goes, what, 22 for 117, looks good. And then there's, you know, then there's other times where he just looks sluggish to me. Like he just doesn't get to the hole quickly enough.
2: They, I was uh, looking at Jay Gruden's press conference on Monday. He mentioned that they want to try and get Rob Kelly uh, a little bit more involved and try and get him a few more carries. He said that he's, he's earned it in, in the way that he's carried the football as well. He
0: had a really good run this week. It's probably their best run. Yeah,
2: and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Chris Thompson out of the backfield. He scored a touchdown against the Eagles last year. Bit of a theoretic light. I loved him at Florida State. Obviously, he had a lot of injuries and fell late. He's in the their draft, but... third
0: down back, and it's funny you mentioned you know him being theoretic light because he does at times line up. Uh, detached from the formation no basically question. as a wide receiver and he can do that
2: you see him run those arrow routes yep. as well out of the backfield uh kirk cousins in uh 90 seconds or less ah. <laughs> sum it up what are, you, what are your overall feelings on kirk cousins because i think we, you and i see him pretty similarly like yeah
0: him. he's he's limited skill set wise he's not a great thrower um I think everything has to work for him, and I think Jay Gruden does a really, really good job with his offensive design to help Kirk Cousins be as effective as he can be. Obviously, when when things are working, Cousins does have the look of an efficient player, but there are there are a lot of limitations. If you can get bodies around him, the arm strength, which is probably average by NFL standards, becomes even less. And I think if you do get people around him, the decision making at times can become an issue. Uh, So, you know, he's a quarterback that if he's comfortable and the offense is functioning the way it's supposed to function and he feels secure in the pocket and he can throw with rhythm and timing, then he can be effective. Now, here's this raises a very interesting matchup question. The Eagles, I believe, have blitzed 16 times in four games. They're not a high percentage blitz defense. Is this the week? Now, they're not all of a sudden going to become a 50 or 60% blitz team, but is this the week where there's a little more selective blitzing based on down and distance? Now, it also raises first down, which is a critical down. The Redskins are very good throwing the ball on first down. They do it at a base personnel. Play action. Play action. They get the opponent's base defense. So first down is a critical down in this game, not just the run game, but the pass game more importantly.
2: So you mentioned
0: the the potential to blitz more, and then
2: it kind of segues into this offensive line, which... They have quietly developed a really good offensive front. They lost Corey Lichtensteiger, who was their center, so they've moved Spencer Long in, who I think you liked. I loved. I loved Nebraska. him coming out of Nebraska. He and was a guard. He was a guard, and they moved him into center. He's
0: looked really good.
2: Yeah. Brandon Scherf is a stud. Who was a top ten pick. And Trent him.
0: Williams. You know, I, I remember this summer going back and watching about two hundred throws by Cousins. You know, just in the division, wanted to get a feel. You know, when you watch two hundred plays in a row, yep. it's different than watching it week to week. Of course. They leave Trent Williams alone. No one helps Trent Williams, and you know what? He doesn't need any help. When
2: he's <laughs> not going up against Fletcher Cox, he looks like a top right, 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 right. Fletcher Cox always you know, <laughs> right. takes his lunch money. Every, but I mean,
0: but. and Trent Williams is—he has that that recovery ability. There are times you think, "Oh, he's beat," and then he recovers. Yeah. So, uh, so he allows them to do some other things with their pass protection. Because you pretty much can leave him alone.
2: And in the run game, he's, he is so athletic for a guy that size. Well, two weeks
0: ago when he had to play guard for the yeah. second half, <laughs> yeah. he looked like an all-pro oh,
2: guard. Oh, my goodness. He is ridiculous. Yeah. he's And then uh, a guy that – look, they gave this guy a lot of money in the free agency a couple of years ago, and, and he did not live up to it when he first got there, Sean Laval. Uh, the he's left played guard. well too. He's played pretty well this year. I'll give him. I'll give him his due because he's looked pretty good. The he's one potential people. weak link, yeah. and,
0: and weak's not the right word. Sure, is Morgan Moses. Yeah, very big man at right tackle. He's the the player on the O line who probably has a few bad snaps every game. And you know, ideally, you turn those bad snaps into a sack, maybe a forced fumble, maybe a pick. You know, but he's the one guy that it seems like he has three or four bad snaps every game.
2: Uh. Are you a Jurassic Park fan? Did you watch no. Did you the movie Jurassic Park? I've never I'm not, seen I'll, it. I'm going to save the analogy then. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll save it for the listeners then for after we discuss this because I don't want this to go over your head. Let's quickly transition to this Redskins defense, mainly under the scope of Halapulavati Vitae. Okay. And what they could do. Easy for you to say. Yes. What they could do or what the Redskins could potentially do to try and attack him, isolate him, and put him in situations where, look, you're going up against a rookie offensive lineman that has not played a snap in the regular season.
0: Well what you want to do is you want to isolate him in pass pro and you want to force him to think by doing things like stunts and the occasional blitz where he has to think the game at the same time that he has to play the game. So you're going to see Ryan Kerrigan go up against him. That'll be the the isolation matchup. Kerrigan is a master at technique and hand usage. That could be a real challenge for bite. He's been
2: an Eagles killer his
0: whole career. And Kerrigan. he's so he's so good with his hands and his use of leverage understanding when the, the right tackle uh, it might be just a little off balance or his base is too wide or too thin. This is what, what Kerrigan does exceptionally well because he's not a true bend-the-edge, flexible speed rusher, but he's so good with hands, leverage, and understanding of how to rush the quarterback. And then again, like I said, you're going to see stunts for sure because you want Vitae to have to be able to think the game seems like most of
2: their stunts have been inside. Yes. I agree, though. You might see more of that on the outside this And what
0: you're going to see is an alignment where they line up two players outside Vitae. We've seen that. A lot of time, and they'll do it a lot. It'll be Kerrigan, and it could be Kerrigan and Preston Smith. It could be Kerrigan and Trent Murphy. You know, again, just show different looks because, you know, Vitae right now is at the point, and I say this honestly because I've talked to people about this, he just wants to get the play in the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage. I mean, that, that's where guys who, when they play their first game, they just want to get to the line of scrimmage and say, this "Okay, I sure. can, I can run this play." Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's. There'll be a lot on his plate. Outside of the trenches,
2: this is a defense that uh, you know we talked about that front four. There are going to be opportunities for the Eagles here because they've had a ton of moving parts because of injuries in the secondary. And, and a lot of the issues they've yeah. had in the secondary. I feel like they've played seven different safety combinations this year, eight They're different corner lot. combinations. Yeah. <clears throat> they've lost, uh, you know, David Bruton, and they, you know they lost D'Angelo Hall. So you know you've got Ianacho back there. They signed uh, they signed uh, Dante Whitner last year off the sh- or last week off the street. Josh Evans, the former Florida safety off the street. They've got. Uh, the, who's the other starting Will Josh, Blackman, a
0: former corner. I always thought Josh Evans w- would be a pretty decent player, but yeah. it didn't work out. Didn't in work Jacksonville. out in
2: Jacksonville. No, but uh, it sounds like Prashad Breland may be back this week. Uh, they've been starting Quentin Dunbar in that spot. Right. Rookie Kendall Fuller has been He's starting in nickel. This, yes, uh, playing over uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Phillips, Phillips so who struggled mightily struggled. through three games a lot of soft zone coverage yeah. and man they've had breakdowns as well third down they're brutal they were great this past week yeah. against uh New Baltimore Nickel package Ravens.
0: this week cuz once Sua Cravens got hurt if he can't go and it doesn't look like he'll be able to go it doesn't sound like it. then yeah. you're going to have two linebackers playing in the nickel normally Compton stayed in and played with Cravens but now you'll have Mason Foster playing so that's an area to exploit as well
2: it's a a, a division matchup so you throw everything out the window but uh it wouldn't surprise not the X's me and O's, if, It though. wouldn't surprise me if this was a little bit of a high-scoring game. I don't know that the Eagles are going to—I'm not saying the Eagles are going to give up 40 points. Right. But I think that both of these teams offensively uh, have some things that they can do uh, to, to move the
0: football. I, what I'd really like to see the Eagles do, and I understand what they've been doing through the first four games, so much quick game, so much get Carson Wentz comfortable, theoretically not a lot of progression reading, I'd like to see them, and again, now you get into their receivers. But this might be the week because their receivers do struggle against man coverage. Uh, but I'd like to see them maybe take a few more shots here and there. Uh, you know, again, we're not saying change the whole pass game because you're still, you know, coming off this past week. You still want Carson Wentz to start this game and be very comfortable. But I would just like to see, you know, a few more shots. It'll be
2: very, very interesting, Greg. You and I will be watching the game together Sunday afternoon, right here at the NovaCare Complex, and then we will see you once again right here Tuesday night on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Appreciate the time here on Chalk
0: Talk. Thanks, man. Always enjoy it.
2: Great stuff from Greg. Again, you could follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's just one way to support the show but the other is to go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, wherever you listen, give us a rating and leave us a comment. I want to give a shout out to Louis Gouvet who rated the show and left a comment on our iTunes page saying how much he enjoyed all of the talk about schemes and explaining the finer points of the game. That's what we try to do here on the eagle line the sky podcast so thanks to louie and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on philadelphiaeagles.com but let's keep this show going i told you earlier i wanted to profile a player that has really taken his game to the next level for this redskins offense time to reveal who that is in our scouting report dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report all right so the player that i want to cover is Brandon Scherf, who mentioned a little bit earlier with Greg, and he was a guy that I loved coming out of Iowa. Obviously, look, for good reason, he was a top ten pick. I thought he was one of the top two or three players in that draft, just under six foot five, six oh four five, so six foot four and five inches, three hundred and nineteen pounds. He was a three-year starter at Iowa. He was a high school quarterback, a five-sport athlete in high school. He threw, like, in the 80s for baseball. He was a double-double guy. He played tennis. He threw shot put. Ridiculous athlete, you know, when he was in high school. And I loved watching him on film with the Hawkeyes. So it is good to see him doing so well, although I do wish it wasn't for one of our division rivals. You know, when I watched him at Iowa, he was their left tackle. He's Obviously, now he's the right guard for Washington. He's got great bulk. He throws his weight around, consistently gets movement off the ball, and that is carried over. Here in the NFL, he is a mauler in the run game. Always looking to get his pound of flesh, you know, finishing blocks into the dirt, getting after guys, running them out of bounds, finishes opponents consistently. He plays through the whistle. I remember him absolutely dominating some of the best players on the other teams when he was in college. And whether it was Randy Gregory when he was in Nebraska on the line of scrimmage or Ryan Shazier of Ohio State up at the second level, the dude was just nasty. And I mentioned the the Jurassic Park reference. I was talking uh, with some guys here at work. And for some reason, this scene came into mind from Jurassic Park, and it was the scene where uh, Alan Grant is talking about how Velociraptors, uh, you are alive when they start to eat you. That is like the mindset of this offensive line. Like these guys, they want to finish you. Whether it's Trent Williams, Scherf, Laval, Morgan Moses, Spencer Long, these guys are a nasty bunch. It's, It's the best offensive line the Eagles have faced. So far this season and it's going to be one of the ba- best that they face overall in the 2016 campaign. So a really good group overall and Scherf is one of the best players on that group. He can locate on space. He's a good puller. He's a good athlete. Doesn't let linemen into his pads. Just a really well-rounded player. I thought in college that he probably would be more of a guard. His foot quickness wasn't necessarily a strength and pass pro. And as a senior, I thought he had a little bit of issue with anchoring, but he did have a knee injury, so I thought that might have been something that could have had an impact there. Just a big, mean, physical kid, good lateral movement, strength at the point of attack, technique, and get the job done inside or out. I thought he was an early starter and a Pro Bowl player in any scheme, and he's definitely turned into that kind of a player. So if you're looking for a matchup in this game, Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan going up against this interior of the Washington offensive line. That's going to be really, really interesting to watch throughout this entire game. So that's certainly something that I'll be focusing on on Sunday afternoon. So, all right, I teased it earlier. I caught up with the Eagles defensive back Terrence Smith to talk about the role of a hook player in cover three. Let's get to that now in Two Technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for Two Technique. Here now with Eagle Safety, Terrence Brooks. And Terrence, I wanted to ask you about the hook curl player in cover three and just the basic responsibilities. Obviously, lots of iterations of cover three in football, especially at the NFL level. But in basic terms, what is the role of the hook curl player?
1: Um, really depends on your defensive scheme and what you want to do against certain formations. Um, but, I mean, really basic-wise, I mean, it's really just dropping right inside that, that seam player and just holding that off and um, not biting down on the running back to the flats or anything like that because they always want to throw something in behind you. Um, but for the most part, I mean, that, that guy is just there to, to rob things. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that can really lurk and just pick off a lot of uh, balls just by sitting in that little hook because that's where a lot of them are going to. But um, for the most part, I mean, just, just pretty much getting to your landmark and staying underneath everything else and driving down on whatever you see in front of you.
2: How hard is that? to Knowing the fact that teams want to try and pull you away from that spot with stuff underneath to try and stay home, how hard is that at times?
1: Um, It's very hard because you can get guys who are very aggressive, and that's what you want to do against aggressive teams is to try to throw something in front of their face to get them out of their spot and um, throw something in behind them. But for the most part, if you're a smart player and you're playing that position, you can make a lot of plays just off of playing that.
2: So the reason I want to talk about playing as a hook player in cover three is that the Redskins have been a pretty big zone team for most of the season. When they go into dime, they'll play a lot of man, but overall in base and in nickel, it's a lot of zone, especially on third down. And when I go back and look at a lot of the big plays they've allowed, especially on third down, they are the worst third down defense in the NFL. A consistent issue for them was wide receivers running free through soft zone coverage. And the quarterback just sitting back with time to pick them apart. And cover three is a big coverage for them. The Eagles have done a good job manipulating those zone defenders in the middle of the field. So for this game, that's something that could could be a theme as we watched Carson Wentz and what he does when he drops back, especially on third down. So great stuff from Terrence. So thanks to him. Greg Cosell, as always, and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, if you get the time, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there, too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. If there's ever anything specific you want me to hit on in-depth, I will absolutely take requests from all of you out there. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment whenever you listen to the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it on another show in the books here on the Eagle in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.